What up, you guys? <laughs> Welcome back to the Nimble Needle Podcast, the internet's best crocheting podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about advanced cross-stitching tapestry style. Eli, what do you got for us today? Well, when you're approaching the, the advanced cross-stitching style, uh, actually, a key component is indeed motorhead. Because <laughs> you cannot fuck it up. You can't. Nope, not at all. How's that a, for an opener? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be just such a weird left turn? We're just doing a crochet. That has to exist, right? Oh, there I'm has sure to be. it does. Yeah. I, I do remember that we had the joke on the old podcast about Podcast Runway. Yeah. I didn't really ever find one. So that's still on the table? Definitely still on the table for us. It's in our future. <laughs> I, I did have a thought today. I was at work and I was standing outside smoking and I was thinking about like, I, I wanted to get some beer for the podcast because if it's like a Monday night or whatever, I, you know, I like to have a beer while we record. Sure. It's fun. Oh, yeah. You know, loosens me up or whatever. Oh yeah. And I was thinking, what if, you know, but what if Mitch asked me about it and I talk about it? I'm like, well, that's what you're drinking. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. We never had to change anything about the fucking podcast. When you think about it, the middle part is just, <laughs> it's the same thing, dude. Yeah. It's just, we just don't have to drink. <laughs> and then instead of talking about other stuff, we only talk about music. I'm not sure that we had to change the name of the podcast. Uh, you, we probably didn't, but I mean, I don't know. It's catchy. It's. <laughs> I, 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 I treat it as like a season one, season two thing. Here's yeah. the thing that we did. We're doing a new thing now. Yeah, cause I mean, in all fairness, yeah, we did like stand up on the old podcast. Yeah. Like, we're not doing any of that shit. Now. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we're even. We're even. I promise, trying to be less long winded. Like we are. We are indeed trying to not do that. So right. Yeah. So this is actually the vinyl frontier of podcast. If we fooled you. Um. <laughs> oh, I gotta put my crochet needles away. I really. No, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Just crochet while we do a fucking podcast. Yeah, that's the crochet hey, I is. want. <laughs> Beer. <laughs> anyway, so this is a rolling rock. Um, oh, is it? Yeah. Well, I, I did get something kind of fancy, so I, I, I guess I will talk about it. Um, I got from Dogfish Head the Nordic Spring, oh. which is an IPA. Oh, dang, dude. Look at you drinking IPAs. I think I kind of fucking like them. Hell yeah. I knew you'd get there. It's, <laughs> that, it, that, it, I sound so pretentious. I knew you'd get there. It would just take some time. Yeah. I'm super into Arcade Fire, Moleskin Notebooks, and IPAs. <laughs> Three of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I. Um, you know what I did buy for the first time? Uh, Ryan Geist makes uh, Hustle, and it's the one that oh, has the fucking yeah. baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I you have a can somewhere. I have. That's. I was literally looking around my room because I have a, I have a can or it's a. Oh no, it's a. It's gonna be good for the audio. Um. Yeah, they have this like pint glass thing that they were selling. Um. That has oh, a little yeah. baseball on it and the hustle logo. Um. Yeah, man, it's cool and it's actually really good. You know, it's not just it's a it's a Reds reference, but it's also a, a pretty good like red ale. Oh yeah, it's uh, Charlie. It's Pete Rose, Charlie it's, Hustle, right? Yeah, Charlie Hustle, Pete Rose. Yep, you got it. 
Oh, okay. I, I didn't realize. Oh, my God. I started watching a documentary about Nolan Ryan, and it, like, made me cry. Really? <laughs> like, because apparently... What's it about? I, I, don't, I don't know much about Nolan Ryan. I really didn't either. He was a he was a pretty like pretty amazing pitcher. I didn't even know that. I, I hate to say that, but I just I didn't follow him for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, legendary fucking pitcher. Uh, is this a it, dugout episode? It, we're getting close because <laughs> honestly, I have a lot to talk about. But his fucking son died. Oh. Okay. So I'm watching a whole documentary. Man, Nolan Ryan's pretty cool. Is Nolan Ryan my favorite baseball player? And then he's like. Well, you, and then you get that call that no parent ever wants to get, and I'm just like, I turned it off. Like oh, I was like, no. I'm, I, I was like, I have to come back to this because yeah. <laughs> this is getting really heavy and really weird. But yeah. super interesting guy. I think it's called Facing Nolan okay. on Netflix. So gotcha. yeah, okay. I, I will finish it. But wow, it got heavy. Yeah, real real fast. Hmm. Um, so whew, yeah, that just like popped right back into my brain. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I tried. Uh, I, I. I, I maybe have had it before, but that was the first time I bought it. And honestly, yeah, I really liked it. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to drink every IPA because I've had some shitty ones. Yeah, but uh, I'll give I'll give some a shot. I'll I'll branch out. I'll I'll try some IPAs that you know I wouldn't normally try or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, actually, this Dogfish Head one's pretty solid. And I don't typically like Dogfish Head because they're stupid expensive. Yeah, it is. Well, they have their like 90 minute and like 60 minute IPA, which is crazy right. expensive because that's their like, I think, Imperial IPAs, which has like twice the alcohol content as like a normal beer. And I do remember that because those 60 minute IPAs, like one and a half of them will just get me very drunk. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I've had a similar experience. Um, but yeah. So, OK. Uh, yeah. We're doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to tell you about something. I think you would appreciate it. Okay. So before the podcast started, we were talking about buying very expensive things. (laughs) It's not what I thought you were going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Whoops. Anyway. The the appropriate part of our conversation. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, We were, yeah, we were talking about uh, buying expensive things. Well, me and my wife, my wife, (laughs) my wife, my wife, you got to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how she's in my phone, actually. <laughs> um, we got a really shitty tax return this year. Um, so we kind of were like, eh, there was some, like, bigger ticket items that actually she was being really cool about letting me buy, which was kind of kind of surprising, but appreciated. Uh, so we had a really shitty tax return. So we are looking to buy a house. And we're continually just trying to do moves to get there. For example, neither one of us have a credit card. But we did just get one. Okay. <laughs> so we're 30 years old and just now finally got a credit card. Well, we have really been needing a two TV. I mean, you saw the TV that's in our living room. Uh, by the way, it was made in November 2010. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so for the listeners, it was a 50-inch 720p hd tv <laughs> from november of 2010 needless to say most stuff didn't look very good yeah <laughs> okay so we decided to buy a new tv so we uh i did a little bit of research looked into it we went to best buy 
Um, and we found a TV. I don't know how to say the brand. It's like Hisense. It's H-I-S-E-N-S-E. I I had an old HD TV from them for years. Actually, Aaron did, and I used it for years. But anyways, so we buy this TV. It's uh, we got like a fifty. I think that one ended up being fit. We spent more than we really wanted to, Ooh. but it ended up being a fifty-five inch TV. It's four K TV. Nice. Um, yeah, it's uh, fucking awesome. I'm super excited for you guys to see it. But even more than I am excited for you to see it, I'm excited for you to hear it. Oh, really? Because here's why: it has Dolby Atmos built Holy into it. Holy shit! <laughs> And I've seen the Dolby logo Uh on everything growing up. I never really took it very seriously because when we were younger, like when we were like 12, 13, no electronics were really all that good. Uh You know what I'm saying? Like most electronic things that you could go to a Best Buy or Walmart to buy. I mean, yeah, I guess if you really got up there high end, obviously our families weren't buying Uh it. So it had this Dolby Atmos thing, and it was really pushing it on the box of the TV. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's cool. I don't have a surround sound or a home theater, so I don't think it really matters. So we bring it home. We unbox it. Um, (laughs) Apparently, I get very mad at the way my wife picks things up. So apparently, that's a flaw that I have to work on now. (laughs) Okay. Because... Because I did kind of one of those like very typical, like stereotypical dad things where it's just like, no, you're not picking it up right. <laughs> you got to pick it up the way I want you to pick it up and only the way I want you to pick it up. So I was wrong. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, we, we got this TV. You know, it's looking great. We're setting stuff up. I got all my gaming consoles hooked up to it. It has like fucking four HDMI point ports, which is wild. Uh, but anyways, we're doing that. And then we're like... We only have the volume at five. Whoa. <laughs> and it's kind of loud, right? And she's like, yeah, it's kind of loud. Um, so then we're like, wait a minute. Let's listen to music. So I I got on YouTube. I looked up Foo Fighters, The Pretender. T- terrible song to pick uh, to listen to speakers on, by the way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's not mixed well. But I was like, okay, let's do this. So I turned it up to like 15 Mitch, I felt the bass through the floor. Damn. <laughs> like, honestly, dude. And then we listened to, oh, I put on Jamiroquai. Yes. Thank you. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I, I think you kind of cracked a code. I think virtual insanity is a very, very good thing to test speakers. Oh, on. dude, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Oh, that's my jam. That's my go-to. It's got a good low end, a good high end. It's got a lot of mids. It's got a lot of mids, yeah. And it has a lot of pan to it, too. Mm -hmm. So it has a lot of, you know, there are only... I I actually did hear things I never heard in the song before. See? That's awesome. So so it was a good song. So we did that, and then we did a a Kendrick Lamar song. Okay. So that was sort of our range of (laughs) testing. But Mitch, dude, I'm not saying that it sounds great compared to any other audio speakers. I will tell you, for a fucking TV... I was blown away. Yeah. Like we had it up at 20 at one point, And I mean, there was literal bass, like not just like low end, like there was bass, like mm-hmm. it was shaking certain things in the house. Wow. Like you could tell 
and then like the high ends the high ends do push a little bit um i did notice that but i mean the fact that i literally turned to her and i went is this better than my studio monitors (laughs) because it just like i was hearing all this stuff happen even in that because we listened to king kunta okay and there was all this stuff that i was hearing i was like i don't really remember this Mm Like I, it blew me, it blew me away. Yeah, so man, I'm, that's awesome. Dolby Atmos is dope. Like, um, a lot of like studios are uh, getting into it now, and they're also like remixing older stuff in Dolby Atmos surround. Um, so, and you can actually, and most companies like have a Atmos. Uh, studio like in their company like apple spotify um obviously um but um yeah the apple like uh the new airpods can actually do atmos um like complete surround on your airpods oh you're right i forgot about see i i've been hearing this for years but there was a point in time where it that kind of didn't really mean anything yeah (laughs) or maybe i was just so young i couldn't tell the difference Mm -hmm. because i i i'm not gonna lie i had a pair of in-ear wired skull candy Uh, headphones at one point in my life so i mean i've gotten a better (laughs) ear over the years for sure yeah but i'm super excited for you to hear it man which is a weird thing to say about a tv that's (laughs) the that's why i wanted to talk to you about this come over and listen to music on my tv because wow it sounds good (laughs) um all right here we are so we're gonna get into the meat and potatoes of this thing so today we are talking about kind of a history lesson, kind of a more of a philosophy discussion of a particular genre of music that I would pretty much go on a limb and say is probably my favorite. Yeah. This is the music I grew up on. This is the music that I continue to listen to, to this day. And this is the music that I'll listen to long after I'm dead. Yeah. Because there will be Dolby Atmos in my coffin, and which there will be an endless feed of you just, you know, just in case you either A, bury me alive, or I don't know, I want some, just some fucking tunes. Uh, we're going to pump this into my coffin. Um, I like how you're assuming they'll be able to find the body. Oh, my body? Yeah. Yeah, good point. That was really dark of me. No, it's a good. I mean, yeah, it's, I'll probably die some. Stu- I'll fall down a flight of stairs or drown. Just the dumbest way to die. Eli was trying to suck his own dick. <laughs> no, you can't die from that, dude. I, I know. For, <laughs> I've <for> tried. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm finding something to cut out yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Mitch, today we're talking about the wonderful, fascinating topic of the musical genre, grunge. Yes, baby. So this has been an idea. (laughs) I'll kind of tee you up a little bit. Back when we had our old podcast, I once told you that I could sit and listen to you talk about grunge for hours. Um, We just didn't have the outlet to do so. Um, And now I'm giving you that green light. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I wholeheartedly appreciate because trust me, I was very excited to do the research. I was very excited to, uh, you know, type this up into a Google Doc, <laughs> um, which is really all podcasting is, by the way. For sure. <laughs> um, however, I was a little bit surprised because I know that you love me. 
I know that I'm I'm a very good friend, if not maybe your best friend or one of them. I'm not sure. I do know when I hit your limit, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So I just the fact that you were like, oh, Eli's into this, and then like I want to hear him talk about it. I actually got a little intimidated because I'm like. <laughs> It's got to be really good. Because actually, we've been talking about this episode since we started The Vinyl Frontier. That's true. Yeah. And I've been working on it since we started <laughs> The Vinyl Frontier. Um, so I kind of started to take it a little bit. I was like, don't take yourself so seriously. Let's just start from a starting point and let's go. So is it a giant history lesson? By no means. Because that's boring. Because there's people way smarter than me that can walk you through every single band that ever Ooh. was existed so well and like you said the history is like very like a gray area too like it's so hard to track down like well and there's many different opinions on the history as well it's very subjective um no sure <laughs> i mean it is okay but... well i'm just gonna stop talking and you can you can school me then sure 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 i'm gonna <laughs> go with i'm right though okay is the context that we're doing this <laughs> in. all right so we're going to talk about grunge. Mitch, when I say grunge, what's the first thing that comes to mind to you? It smells like teen spirit. Okay. It's not a bad answer. That was an anthem. Um, where we're going to start is a pretty unexpected place. We're going to go back to the 80s, babies. Oh, yeah. You spin me right <laughs> round, baby, right round like a record, baby. <laughs> What if I was just like, that's the first grunge song, and you're like, oh, no. I fucked up. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we're going to go back to the 80s. I'm going to talk a little bit about the 80s, because not only does grunge start, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I, do, I, I did go a little conspiracy theorist here. Not only did grunge start and end in the 80s, but it is completely reactionary to the 80s. Bitch has a very funny look on his face for those who can't see. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So when you think, okay, when I say the 80s, what do you think of them? You spin me right around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pretty much that. I mean, you yeah. think of like, you know, and then there's also like, obviously, like in the metal world, there's like glam rock and uh, Motley Crue, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so basically the 80s, I think when we look at it from like a today's point of view, obviously it's it's just basically excess. It's just bigger, brighter, louder. Uh, hey, you got a good song. Let's overproduce the fuck out of it. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to make one drum sound like 10,000 drums? <laughs> Welcome to the 80s. Yeah. Pro Tools came out in the 80s, <laughs> I think. Pretty sure. Late 80s, but it came out in the 80s. Could be. <laughs> Music went through a really weird time in the 80s. Um, and what's interesting, and the reason that I said grunge starts and stops in the 80s, the reason I say that is because in the 70s, we had sort of, um, I mean, the birth of, and in my opinion, the golden era of punk. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of where punk started and um, where most of the, pioneering punk bands kind of come from i mean yeah the you know, late 60s sure there was a little bit but really when it became punk to a degree that when you go back to like 1970 or 71 or 72 and you listen to the you know punk bands that were popping up around that time it still kind of sounds like punk so i think it was defining 
in that area. I think that's really what happened in the 80s with grunge. Um, the biggest misconception that people have about grunge is that it started in 1991. And it, it started literally early to mid-80s. Because there was already bands doing that very hardcore... I don't want to say hardcore, but very intense punk sound. So the best description I've ever heard for dr- for grunge music, like when, you know, people say grunge and well how what does that mean? How would you quantify it? What what really makes up a grunge band? Um uh, Mark Arm from Green River and a guy who is very very important to grunge. He said grunge is punk rock music played backwards and slower. Mm. And I think that's the best way to describe it because a lot of punk, one of my favorite punk bands, the Ramones, Mm -hmm. right? Think about, you know, uh, Blitzkrieg Bop, you know, it's very major. Yeah. Uh, Oh, 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 oh. It's, it's very major. It's, it, it, it doesn't sound sad, but it sounds aggressive. Yeah. So it's a, it's a major key, just very in your face, very fast grunge started to be that same in your faceness and even quickness at times but kind of like backwards meaning instead of ascending which is typically i think what you would typically do in a major key they descend mm. there's a lot more dissonance a lot it's a little bit more of a cacophony it's a lot more about tension and release so like a punk song is still one four five, right? And in, in a chord progression, it's still basically one. It's the one chord, the four chord, and the five chord, mm-hmm. and you come back to one for resolution. What's kind of interesting about punk, and I'm talking out of my ass here a little bit, but it's kind of like one minor second, minor second, minor second, five one. That's kind of what grunge was. It was like mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of tension to the point that the release would be so pivotal because you would have just had almost the whole song just being a very dissonant, tension-filled creation. Yeah. Um, But that did start in the 80s, Um, well before any of this. Uh, Primarily, uh, I I think Green River is just the band I keep going back to, just kind of saying, like, Man, if you want to listen to like proto grunge, like the band that really defined the next, in my mind, ten years of grunge music, it was it was Green River. Ooh. I mean, it's just that sound is grunge. It's lo-fi. It's not recorded with any kind of fidelity. Um, it's 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 meaty. It's 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 dirty. It's in your face, and it's and it's just fucking punk music. It's just like kind of hardcore punk too, in a weird way. Like it's just, it's not, it, it's it's punk in a lot of ways. But then every now and then you have to go, is this metal? Because then they slow down to a snail's pace. They do detune their guitars, you know, Ooh. things like that. That really is that sound that grunge is coming from. Um, and also the thing about grunge, everyone talks about Seattle. Right. Seattle, Washington being, you know, to them, the quote unquote birthplace of grunge. I think that's a little bit extreme. Washington State and Seattle is a defining city for grunge. And in my opinion, here's why. Okay, it rains 
all the time. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best quotes I ever heard was actually Danny Clinch uh, was talking about, uh, yeah, it just rained all the time, so everybody just hung out in basements and just listened to music all day. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I think grunge is a very is actually, I think, a very, very eclectic genre. These guys listen to everything. The Beatles, Sly and the Family Stone, fucking, you know, Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. you know, fucking Sabbath. You know, it was all of that sort of, could co- you know, kind of coming together to help build their sound. Um, and actually, at the time, a lot of popular acts like Madonna, Michael Jackson, whoever it may be, wouldn't go play shows in Seattle because they didn't want to go hang out in a time where there was a lot of blue collar people mm. and it rained all day. So right. they're like, why would I go tour in Seattle? So yeah. weirdly enough, Seattle wasn't getting a lot of mainstream music. They, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously they were aware, but those bands weren't coming there to tour. You know, Michael Jackson wasn't showing up all the time in Seattle, Washington to do a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that helped define that very anti-authoritative anti-mainstream music mentality where they would just go in and listen to super deep punk and listen to like the gap band and shit like that and you know that was sort of the the fledging indications of you know the punk rock wave that was grunge i think that grunge is just punk music it's just the name we threw at the people in the early 90s Hmm, okay it's just a garage rock revival. It's just guys in a garage working shit out, making very in-your-face music. Grunge, to me, is the biggest lie that the music industry has ever pushed upon us. It's not. It's just not a genre. It, we think it is because we. Because I said, what's the first thing of when you think of grunge? You said, smells like teen spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to be as radical to say that I think by the time we get to Nirvana and Nevermind, it's not even grunge anymore. That's okay. Okay. So that's that's my personal opinion. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, I was also kind of giving you the, the, the answer that I know you wanted me to say. So, I mean, it's it's pretty much my answer, though. Nirvana is the face. All of right. Grunge. I mean, you got your. I'm. 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 I'm trying to backpedal or defend myself, but I mean, like, if there's three, like the 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 holy trinity of grunge is Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and they were all in the '90s. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you left out a very important one. All right, let's go. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. No, it's interesting. I mean, it's all <laughs> perspective. Um uh, yeah, that was the band I was saying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah. No, it's all, it's all perspective. I guess we're, we're going to kind of get there. So, if you can humor me, we'll we'll get there. So, in so I'm going to fast forward to the 90s, but we're still talking probably about 86 to 90. Mm-hmm. 86 to 1990. To me, these are the bands that are... Okay, well, first off, I, I'm going to throw this in here, and I just want to hear your take. Typically, the person referred to as the godfather of grunge is Neil Young. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. A lot of people really credit him, not so much with, like, oh, Neil Young invented grunge, but a little bit more of, like, this guy was tapping into something that sort of... Because if you think about, like, hardcore punk music, you know what I mean? It's almost always political 
uh, incredibly fast. You know, t- typically hardcore punk is marred by the ability to like, what's a threefold? What's a threefold? <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like hardcore punk. Neil Young was interesting because he did Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And when you think about Neil Young and Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I mean, I love like a couple Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young songs, but uh, I'm kind of like, I kind of feel like Neil Young was the actual talented one out of oh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. For sure, yeah. I mean, that's hard. <laughs> David Crosby, I get it. It's just, Neil Young was just on a different wavelength, yeah. right? Because then he went on and did all his solo career, and this dude like would make an album, and his record label would be basically like, yeah, this ain't going to do well. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I here? You know, and uh, Neil Young is probably the most actual rock and roll guy I've ever read about. I've read a magazine. Uh, I think he had an article in Time. Maybe it was Rolling Stone. Uh, the dude just like had a fucking brain aneurysm and was gonna die and had brain surgery and then like practice enough to still try to tour that year. Yeah, I. I mean, he's he, he's incredibly inspiring. But there's something about Neil Young, long hair flannels Mm -hmm. grew up in rural america you know what i mean i don't give a fuck attitude i don't give a fuck but i'm gonna sing about my feelings Mm -hmm. if you're really machizo and kind of you know i'm gonna call you out on that shit fuck you uh i like farms you know that was neil young's vibe and and i think in a lot of ways like the image of grunge when you think about grunge what do you think of long hair flannels i don't give a fuck attitude Mm -hmm. You know, Kurt Cobain had that sticker on his guitar. You know, vandalism as good as a rock and or a rock in a cop's face. You know what I mean? <laughs> like fucking, you know, brutal anti-authoritarian. Yeah. You know, fuck you. And also, I kind of like farms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know what I mean? It, it's kind of the Godfather of grunge. I buy it. Yeah, I'm into it. Totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, '86 to '90. Here, here. These to me are like I, I'm not saying they're the the creators of, so I'm not really getting into that. That's the most objective part, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could try to pin it to one band, to one sound, but it's just it's not like metal. I think metal is the easiest one. It's Zeppelin, Sabbath, and then you have every other genre of metal from those two bands. Mm-hmm. But if you go all the way back, you could go to like. Ch- Chevsky or Chachovsky or some motherfucker <laughs> uh, with Oski at the end of their name and say that's the invention of metal. But, you know. Please Sab- don't talk about Bach again. I'm over Bach. <laughs> yeah, right. We're done with that. <laughs> you, you know what I realized? You know what upset me uh, about that? I was thinking about it because I, I just watched Clockwork Orange the other day and Beethoven is a big part of it. Okay. And I was like, yeah, why is there so much Bach and why is there so little Beethoven? There's like <laughs> one Beethoven right. jam. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Just like arguing about classical music. Um, (laughs) Yeah, sorry. So anyways, um, to me, these are like the the six of grunge. Uh, Bands like Green River. River, Were they from Seattle as well? Uh, Green River definitely was some of the. I think really all these were. Um, you definitely had grunge popping up everywhere, everywhere else. And I at one point had studied this part a lot harder, 
East Coast grunge has a certain vibe. Ooh. Midwest grunge has a certain vibe. Southern, you know, Southern U.S. grunge has a different vibe. I used to know all that. I don't. I let it go because grudge is a grunge is a a construct, and we're going to get into why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I sort of like didn't pay attention to any of that. Um, but yeah, but Green River, uh, Malfunction. Uh, the Human, the Melvin, Soundgarden, and Skin Yard. All of those bands were a part of something called the Deep Six Comp. The Deep Six Comp is the first big grunge release, um, and they actually put on a concert involving all six of these bands. But the Deep Six compilation is still like the I, I, and they and they've done it over the years. Uh, of just being like six bands that you know are fucking hot or fucking dope uh, but these six all those bands i said were on this uh the deep six comp mm-hmm. and which was the first major grunge thing that came out was this like a record label they were all on well the the deep six comp is just that it's just a compilation of okay. six bands what i did forget to look up is what record label put that out so I'm going to try to hop on here and Google that real quick. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was Sub Pop. Um, but I think Sub Pop, yeah, okay. It was it was released by ZC Jesus, sorry. <laughs> CZ Records. Okay. Um in 1986. Gotcha. Okay. Which is why we're talking about the 80s. Cuz I I and I may be speaking out of turn, but I think I remember this from like one of the Nirvana like documentaries that I saw, but Nirvana specifically was on a different label and then they got poached by Sub Pop, right? So Sub Pop is kind of hailed as like, "Oh yeah, they created grunge." but they just kind of like collected this cool collection of grunge artists at the time and stole them from other labels because they were a bigger, weren't they like a, no, I don't think they were a part of Sony at the time. I think they were more kind of homegrown and then they sold to Sony or something like that. Yeah. At the time they were wholly independent. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I, uh, Nirvana, I hear what you're saying. They were on Sub Pop. When they released their first album, they were on Sub Pop. Bleach is a Sub Pop release. Oh, okay. Nevermind has a Sub Pop credit because they demoed, I believe, almost that entire album with Sub Pop, but then they went to Geffen. Gotcha. Okay. So I was wrong. So, okay. <laughs> to me, the actual biggest grunge label is AM Records because mm-hmm. uh, Z. Jesus, I'm so sorry. CZ Records. Eventually, I, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm really briefly looking here, but Deep Six is a 1986 compilation album featuring six Seattle-based rock bands. It was the first release by CZ Records, um, with a particular catalog number. Uh, made 2,000 copies on its first release. That is now. AMN records. So gotcha. whether they became AM or they got bought by, uh AM also had uh Soundgarden's first major label release. Mm, okay. Um so yeah, but that's what the Deep Six is. Here, you know what? For fun, we'll read the songs. We have Tears to Forget by Soundgarden, With Yo Heart, Not Yo Hands by Malfunchkin, All Your Lies by Soundgarden. Uh, Grinding Process by the Melvins, 10,000 Things by Green River, They by the Human, 
the Birds by Skin Yard and Blessing the Operation by the Melvins. Okay. Uh, there is more songs, so I'm not going to read all these. Sorry. <laughs> okay, well, wait. Skin Yard has a song called Throb. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> which I'm not sure if I've listened to, but it's probably pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, But that came out in 1986. That is crazy. So, you know, I mean, if you really want to use the word grunge, you can. It does mean something in the American consciousness. And I'm not the one to say that everybody else is wrong. But with that being said, though, you know, we're talking about 1986, the year the grunge broke, 1991. That's the year. That's the year that grunge became a word that everyone used. Yeah. And that was the year that Nirvana released their first album, uh, that Soundgarden released their first major label album, and Pearl Jam released their first album all in 1991. That was the year that grunge broke. But... Soundgarden was already on comps back in 1986, being Soundgarden, mm. which actually, Hiro, oh fuck, I forgot his name. Their original bass player, their original bass player for Soundgarden, Hiro Yamamoto, I believe, okay, just got inducted into the Asian Rock and Roll or the Asian Hall of Fame. Oh, cool, yeah. Little bit bummed they have to have their own Hall of Fame. Truth. <laughs> Little upset by that, but he did make it there, and I'm proud of that. He's also super fucking sick. Yeah. Um, all right. So, anyways, here's what I was getting at when I said grunge started and ended in the 80s. So, I'm just going to pretty much read you this blurb that I wrote down. So, I said, so by the time that bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana started to make an impact, the sound had already changed. It had kind of already evolved into something else. So the more popular bands of the of the day, grunge had kind of already came and gone. Um, and it, it evolved into something a little bit different than where it started from. So what it evolved into is what we call grunge. But I think where it came from is like that's if you want to use that moniker, that was grunge music. When By the time you get to Pearl Jam... I, I, if you spent any time listening to Green River, Mud Honey, the Melvins, any of that shit, that's grunge. Ooh. When you get to Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam is not really grunge. <laughs> it's not. It's cool. It's great. It's awesome fucking alternative rock. It's also, I mean, that band is made up by dudes from Mother Love Bone and Green River. Mm-hmm. You know, it's two monumental grunge bands you know, thrown together and they got, you know, they, you know, Eddie Vedder out, you know, San Diego fucking being out there being a little surfer dude, (laughs) you know what I mean? Shows up and he's like, Hey, I'm going to fucking be around for a long time. And they're like, all right, cool. He's like, (laughs) and they're like, wow, we dig that. Oh, it's cool. You know, but to me at that time, it wasn't, it wasn't grunge. So I guess when you say it's not grunge, like how does it compare? Is it like too poppy or is it too, slow to be considered quote-unquote grunge i i would say not that it's slow i think grunge is definitely defined by its slowness that's Mm -hmm. what that's what it takes is punk slowing it down um but i would say that it is a little bit too commercial because you know we i like to talk about how every there was like 
three or four grunge supergroups that existed over time and everybody played in everybody's band and everybody, you know, hung out together and that helped define the sound. Everybody kind of like had a, had a vested interest in their buddies coming up, which was very different than the eighties hair metal scene, which was very much like, fuck you. We want to be on a record label. Yeah. Everyone had beef. Gene Simmons was an asshole. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So grunge was very opposite. It was very communal and friendly. But by that time being, and we're going to move into it, 1991, the year that grunge broke, then there started to be some resentment because then there was people that like listen to Mother Love Bone, listen to Green River, and they're like, well, wait, that's fucking them. Who's this Eddie Vedder motherfucker? You know what I mean? And he's out there like, Hey, hey, I see you alive. Yeah. Also, Pearl Jam's one of my favorite bands, but oh, absolutely. Early Eddie Vedder is a little, it's a little goofy at times. <laughs> um, so people, you know, people kind of fucking shit on Pearl Jam, <laughs> like they didn't think that Pearl Jam was grunge. Literally, the guys who invented this genre of music were like. Yeah, that's not. I don't know what they're doing over there. That's kind of weird. Um. So yeah, that's uh yeah that's that's a part I don't because if you watch anything from the nineties, it's like you know oh you remember Pogs? Do you remember Grunge? And it's <laughs> yeah, just right. like you know that is because around that year, nineteen ninety one, is when the music industry finally realized cha 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 ching. Let's cash in on this shit. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, that's really when grunge really started to get thrown around. Not not so much before. I think there was a couple times the term got used and it continued onward, you know. But that was the time that, you know, your mom would say grunge. You know what I'm saying? It started to be a part of the collective consciousness, which was pretty much at that point is, is already it started to <laughs> yeah. die very quickly. Um. All right, Mitch. So for the first, in an unprecedented scenario, we made a two-part podcast episode, which is wild. Um, but it is happening. Um. So with that being said, <laughs> um, with everything I've talked about, I don't know why I think it'd be funnier if you go first because we just talked. We just spent like an hour talking about grunge. What have you been cranking? Okay. Kurt Cobain, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so. His solo shit on the boombox. I've been listening to the box triple disc set. Okay. Which I do own, by the way. I'm sure you do. I, I'm sorry. I had to throw that in. So um, I wanted to talk about a little bit about MGMT. Um, I have been All right. Going- Let's go hardcore down the MGMT rabbit hole and I've always okay so here's the thing I've always been a fan of MGMT's first album Oracular Spectacular mostly because um, it had some really good bangers on there Um, kids electric feel um, some really good songs like some pop hits of I know that that album came out in 2007 um, time to pretend just some incredible like, that one hurt. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> I <agree>. no. <laughs> I agree. No. <laughs> oh, that's wild, dude. That's such like my teenage. Oh, no, I was still in high school. 
I mean, here's I dr- the thing. I, I this I didn't I don't remember this album coming out in 2007 because I wouldn't have been I don't think I would have been listening to this when I was 16 and, and but this was the anthem of my like college years. I don't yeah. know if it just didn't get popular. I I I don't know. I I don't know what the deal is with them. I I specifically don't remember getting into them until like 2010, 11 kind of thing. Um, yeah. Specifically, my college years. This was one of my favorite albums, um, and it kind of like opened a door to this whole genre for me that is basically so important to me and is kind of the soundtrack of my life. We talked about like hipster indie pop bands like those are my favorite fucking bands man and we'll do a whole episode on that i promise you Um, oh sure i would have a ball with that (laughs) is that what you consider them because i actually have a lot of trouble with mgmt really kind of getting them right because i'm like i don't know man they're i will say that my favorite part about that band is i i legitimately think they're geniuses because there is a little pseudo documentary of that album and you see them making electric feel, and I'm like, bruh, I I couldn't do it. I could not I, do that. I've seen this, so okay, okay. Um, and I completely agree with you because um, I didn't really know much about them except for that first album and primarily the three songs that were like popular back then. Um, but just like a week or so ago, I was just like watching YouTube and I came across this video and I'll give them a shout out here. It's called when you self-sabotage your own success by a YouTube channel called middle eight. Um, and I thought about doing an episode, an entire episode devoted to MGMT, but then I realized it would basically just be, be me explaining this YouTube video, which I'm not going to do. So go watch this video. (laughs) I also have this issue. (laughs) But the gist of it is um, what I love and respect so much about MGMT is that first album, um, Oracular Spectacular, is MGMT's least favorite album. That led it's their it's their breakout album that got them so popular. Um, They completely blew up because of a few songs on there. And I find it so interesting that they can't stand it. So, wow! I didn't know this until a few weeks ago when I watched this video. Um, basically, MGMT is the most hipster slash anti-hipster band out there because by that I mean sure. basically they started off like um, in their like college days and stuff as a psychedelic band um, an electronic synth led psychedelic band um, that if you listen to basically anything except for this oracular spectacular album it is so fucking weird um, and I've actually been telling a few friends about, about their second album Congratulations um, which is what I wanted to talk about. Um, if you he listen has it to this on vinyl, album, is what happened. He held yeah. <laughs> he held up the vinyl. Yes. Yeah, I had to go get it because it's so so good. Um, I have a bunch of friends that are into um, Tame Impala, and to me, yeah, I I'm with I'm, you. I'm, uh, dude, I <laughs> I don't even care what you say right now. I'm going to agree with it. Okay. <laughs> but but please continue. Uh, okay, so t- t- uh, so these friends that I have that are in Tame Impala, I'm like, dude, if you like Tame Impala, you have to listen to MGMT's albums. Congratulations, because it is a weirder, darker, more psychedelic version of Tame Impala, and I am about it, about it. Uh, <laughs> 
so because I, I don't mind tame and pod they're not my favorite band but i also never okay. got like the hype around them and i and when i heard this congratulations album it just kind of made me realize i feel like this is what kevin parker is trying to go for but he doesn't have the balls to be as weird as mgmt is and i feel like if he were i would respect it so much more so mgmt they put out that oracular spectacular album mostly just to get signed because they were such a cool good band that they realized like okay well we're not going to get famous doing our psychedelic shit that we've been doing um so let's put out a few like pop songs and that's when they did like kids electric feel time to pretend um and then they just blew up and then after they blew up they're like fuck that we're never doing that again now that we have your attention we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want to do um so that's when they did this congratulations album they put out an album a few years ago called little dark age that is also really good and really psychedelic um it is just weird but it is so good yeah yeah interesting yeah no that's that's really cool i was i was kind of hoping that we were just gonna shit on tame apala uh we can yeah <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's deserved but in the same sense it's just like yeah it's definitely it's a vinyl jerks band like it's yeah. a band that like <laughs> all right man you know that's how i feel but yeah no i fucking love mgmt i think that they're part of the reason that i'm okay with synthesizers i'm okay with you know, adding digital, uh, I I literally looked over at my Spotify of Moons, Birds, and Monsters by MGMT you listened to two hours ago. So that there you go. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Here's what I've been cranking, because obviously I've been listening to a lot of grunge. So I went on a journey. You good? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. You good in the hood? We all good in the hood, baby. Sorry, I've had like, <laughs> literally... I've had a lot of beer, baby. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Monday night style. Monday night. <laughs> I, got a, I got a little drunk at the end here. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. It just happened. Um, I went out on a journey to think about what is, what is the grunge song? What is a song that if I was like, I want you to hear something that I heard at every barbecue growing up. That just encapsulates the beauty and the darkness, the majestic, you know, the majestic elements Mm -hmm. and the dirty, grungy shit that is the early 90s grunge scene. The song that I want you to put on the playlist, which, hey, I don't mean to be this guy, but you haven't updated the playlist. I have not. I really I've been thinking, oh, I need to go back and listen because I kind of forget what we talked about. So um, I haven't written down all of the bands, the the songs. So I literally need to go back and listen to like the last 10 minutes of every episode we've put out (laughs) so I can get caught up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. (laughs) All good. The song I want to that I want you to put on there is Soundgarden. And the song, Super Unknown. Oh, okay. Yeah. To me, that is the grunge song. It's in a weird time signature at a couple points. It's melodic. It's dissonant. It's angry. It's cool. Alive and the super unknown. First it seals your mind and then it steals your soul. That's 
pretty fucking cool, dude. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I love that song. I think it kind of encapsulates. Honestly, got a lot of things we talked about, even in the first episode, and things we'll talk about in the second episode. It's super unknown, Ooh. man. It's life. We don't know where it's going. First, it seals your mind, then it seals your soul. You know, <laughs> alive in the super unknown. Yeah. But it's very angry. It sounds like death. That's what I love about grunge music. There are so many songs that it sounds like if you put them on at a loud volume, it kind of sounds like what I imagine death to sound like. There's just <laughs> wave of, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's what, that's what it sounds like to me. But, yeah, so it's cool. Uh, hey. This was the first episode. I'm super appreciative that we're it, it became a two-parter. Mitch, I commend you for being a part of this. <laughs> uh, I this this is definitely something I've wanted to do for a while. This is just part one. We're coming back for part two. It's uh, it's gonna be great. Yep, <laughs> it's gonna be great. Keep listening. Keep checking us out. I met this guy in the hallway. I forgot to tell you about this. I was coming up to the ship before. Not a lot of people know. We do record this in space. Absolutely. They, they, yeah. they don't understand. I bumped into a guy on the bridge there when I was coming up, and yeah. he was a Scotty with the body. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. yeah, he had a dump truck ass. Oh, hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like like uh, that Al Pacino movie, I'm forgetting, Sin of a Woman. You know what I mean? She's got a great ass. You know what I mean? And I was like, Scotty with the body, what are you up to today? And he was like, well, I'm beaming you up. I'm like, you beaming us up? And he's like, yeah, I'm beaming you up. I'm like, Scotty with the body's beaming us up? I can't believe it. 